Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning. It is the 24th of January. Good morning. Uh, Yeah, I am back today. I am incrementally better, but I confess I'm still not well. Continued prayers appreciated. Yeah, we might have to dedicate a whole conversation one morning to swapping COVID stories. But today, uh, there's such serious news in Ukraine that I want you to know what's happening there. And I want to call each of us and all of us to be um, praying today and in the days to come for our Christian brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, uh, Christian mission uh, organizations, missionaries, church planters. Uh, There's a huge number of Christians in Ukraine, uh, and there's a huge number of American Christians serving in Ukraine. And I want to be lifting each and every one of them up today. And that's, you know, that's not to say that I don't have concern for praying in general for the situation there. Um, But I have specific heart concern, like, right, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. These are people with whom you and I are going to spend all eternity. And so in the same way that um, I have uh, concern for every American um, service member in every branch of the military serving everywhere all the time, I can tell you that my heart beat much harder and much faster, and um, my tears flowed in much more ardent prayer when uh, my stepson Jonathan was in Afghanistan deployed, and we didn't know exactly where he was or if he was coming home. It's different when it's our brothers and sisters. It's different when it's members of our family, and we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters We should be praying in the same way we would be praying for our blood relatives. These are our blood relatives by the blood of Christ. And so I know we've been talking about the buildup of Russian troops on the border with Ukraine for weeks now. Um, I recall one conversation here where we pointed um, to the opening of the Winter Olympics in Beijing on February 4th as a potential date. If you look at that on the calendar, I would say... Uh, Few people are now holding out hope that Russia will wait that long to invade Ukraine. Uh, Advisors presented President Biden yesterday with various various options of how the United States of America might respond to Russia's increasingly aggressive stance in Eastern Europe. They did so yesterday at a briefing uh, at Camp David. The president is... uh, I mean, everybody in the press is reporting this. It's not like this is like, you know, some sort of secret information. The president is considering sending thousands, somewhere in the range of like three to 5,000 U.S. troops to Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia as a part of a broader NATO effort. You're going to definitely see uh, EU troops 
deployed today to those places. Other NATO countries, um, yeah, are already contributing troops. That's what the rest of this story says. Okay, so let me read this next story. The State Department on Sunday ordered the families of all American personnel at the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine to leave the country. That's pretty significant. Uh, They're not technically closing the embassy because if you listened closely, you recognize that they've ordered the families of all American personnel at the U.S. Embassy to leave. They have not. um, They have not ordered all diplomatic personnel to leave, um, nor have they um, sent Ukrainian employees home, which is kind of curious. Anyway. Um, The department told the dependents of staffers at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev uh, that they must leave the country. It also said non-essential embassy staff could leave Ukraine at at our government's expense, which is totally fine. I I support that. What about the 40,000 Americans who live, work, study, serve as missionaries or visiting Ukraine? 40,000 U.S. citizens are in Ukraine today. 40,000. We couldn't figure out how to get, like, I don't know, less than 10,000 Americans out of Afghanistan. A place where we had tons of assets. And you're saying to yourself, well, I mean, you know, Ukraine, it's, it's, it, it, it borders a lot of friendly countries. I mean, people can just, you know, people can just leave. So Ukraine is the second largest country uh, in in this part of the world, uh, in Eurasia, in in Eastern Europe, you might be saying to yourself, it's second only to Russia. It's hu- geographically huge. Getting to um, uh, a border to a foreign country um, is a challenge, and getting over that border, you know, not as great a challenge because we're talking here about um, EU countries for the most part. All right, um, forty thousand Americans. Mm-hmm. The U.S. State Department has warned U.S. citizens that they must leave the country, but that it would be unable to evacuate them. I just want you to note that and just uh, pay attention and be, be praying on this front today. All right. First up, we've got our friend Dave Buring with us. And uh, I, I need the message that Dave's bringing today because we're going to talk about just how much God loves our weakness. We'll be right back. Dave Buring is back. You can find everything we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Dave, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Dave, hello, hello. Okay. Yeah, so just, he's, he, uh, he's there. He forgot to unmute himself. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Dave. He still hasn't unmuted himself. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, um, you talk. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll see uh, if I can you, find You talk. Him. See if you can see if you can get Dave to unmute his line. So when you think about he's uh, back your now. own. Oh, good morning, Dave. Hey, welcome, man. Good morning. I didn't mute on purpose, but my goodness, I caused it. It was an awful. 
<laughs> no, it was just a, it was a it was an acute experience of my own weakness. <laughs> I did it on purpose, Karma, to set this conversation up. It was very effective. It was a wonderful object lesson. You. Thank you so much. I, I wouldn't do that to you. So good nobody. Good morning. Good morning. Nobody likes to talk about their weakness, um, but I have been talking about my weakness now for the better part of two weeks. Well, no, one full week. Um, I have COVID, and it. Um, I've never been sick like like this, and um, I have spent. Yeah, more more days like literally in bed than I care to count now. And um and so talk with me about how God loves me in my weakness. Yeah, well I can identify day after Christmas I I got hit with it as well. And um yeah, you know there's something about um dependence. I think you know we'll exp- we'll talk about the very expressions here of of kind of being weak. But I think the the big thing that that's God is after is our dependence upon Him. He doesn't delight when we feel weak and we feel needy and we po- feel powerless, as we would you know think of somebody with a a mind that's not right, feeling you know delighting it when we're in those places. But what it does is it gets us to a place of being dependent, and more often than not in our journeys, we 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 love Jesus sincerely. But we tend to do life our way instead of God's way. And there's times in our life that he brings us into places where we have to just be flat out dependent on him. It's us and him in relationship. It's us and him as our savior. I don't mean just going to heaven. I mean, rescue me from this right here, right now. And so I think, Carmen, that what's behind it all is God puts us in places of dependency so he can reveal more of himself coming through on our behalf. I completely 100% concur. And I also recognize that, um, you know, when I am weak and recognize that I need him more, um, mm. you know, he, he's reliable and dependent and all those things. Why, why do I not live in that reality even when I, quote unquote, feel strong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot of places we can go in that. But but one of them is, is again, we have like just let's take our own country. I'm hearing you talk about the Ukraine and I agree we need to be praying for, for precious people there. Um, but I think when we're living living kind of our daily lives, it's things like pride you know, I think it's um, a subtle self of self-reliance. Mm-hmm. You know, our our country. Just speaking of our country, there's a there's a heavy-duty dose of self-reliance. I love our ingenuity. I love our resilience, but but somehow in that, like it's always interesting to me. And I and I, I'm not picking on a document. I love this document, but but you'll hear what I'm saying. The Declaration of Independence. And there's a bit of independence that we as people run around in, uh, oftentimes not knowing how to function in community, where we really are laying our lives down for each other, giving a rip about what's going on in each other's lives. And I, and I think the Lord in his kindness and his mercy will come alongside of us. And if I can use the word woo, he will woo us into a place of really being dependent on him. I I know I'm there in my own life right now with the circumstances around me. 
it's mm-hmm. put me in a, in a tremendous place of just dependence on the Lord. All right, friends, we live in a culture where we do not want to show any vulnerabilities. Um, but the scriptures tell us that God's power is made perfect in weakness. When we come back, Dave is going to share some of those passages of scripture with us. Don't you want to know where God says his power is made perfect in your weakness? I know you do. Stick with us. And if you're just too Continuing our conversation with Dave Burring from Lionshare. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. If you download uh, the Lionshare app, which is Lionshare Leadership Group, you can access a free daily video devotional by Dave. Um, You can also uh, check out the Discipleship Journey, a proven and practical tool for making disciples of Jesus. New updated edition, now available at lionshare.org. Um, Dave, uh, when we talk about our weakness, we want to know that God has uh, has us in the very palm of his hand and that he, mm-hmm. he has all the strength that's necessary. So can you give us some scripture references maybe to turn to when we're feeling weak? Yes. So... Uh, the first one that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians 12. It's one that I always pull on, and it, it's a familiar one. It's when Paul is is crying out to the Lord to take something from him that had been bothering him. This is, you know, something that we don't know if it was a uh, something related to the way he looked, a pain, pain in his body. Some feel like it may have been, you know, the Judaizers, people who were pursuing Paul that said it was Jesus plus other things. We're not really quite sure, but in the midst of it, it was very stressful for him. And he says this, this is 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul, of course, goes for it then, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So counter to the way that we live, but yet so true. That's, that is amazing. Um, talk with us also uh, about when we feel like um, there's nobody to empathize with us. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's a different kind of, of reality, um, but no less acute. No, that's right. And sometimes we, we are alone in our struggle. We're alone in our weakness, our dependency. And I, I I've, I have a process that I walk through. And, and to be really honest, you know, I find that peace leaks. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have it for, you know, minutes, hours, and then it's like, sometimes I need to go back and get it. So let me just tell you this process. When I, I, I'm dealing with, with precious aging parents, we've got a massive challenge that happened at our church. Um, you know, and and there's the day-to-day with Lionshare that that's going really well, but these other places that have to do with family, spiritual family, personal family, some days I can just feel, um, that place of, of dependency in the extreme. It's like, God, I just, Without you, I can't do this. And, and I, I walk this process through Carmen where I begin with exercising humility. The Bible tells us in James 4, 6, 
that that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I so I go to him and I I kind of embrace humility is my first step. And, and by saying this is where I am. And I usually use these three words. I'm weak. I'm needy. I need you. And I'm powerless to actually change anything here. I mean, again, three words we don't like to utter, weak, needy, powerless, and yet they're there. The Bible tells us to come boldly to the throne room of grace where we'll find God meet our need. The Bible tells us that when we were powerless, Jesus died for us. So weak, needy, powerless. And I just acknowledge it. Not a pity party, not flogging (laughs) myself, but sincerely, God, I'm weak, I'm needy, I'm powerless. And then my next step is I just surrender everything. It's that yielding and the picture I have in my head when I do this, it's like holding a balloon and I just let it go. You know, and you can see a balloon for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, two, three minutes, and then it's gone. And it's just like that. I just give it to the Lord, all the areas that I'm wrestling with, and I I surrender completely. And then I go to Philippians 4, where it says this, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And literally, Carmen, I will sit there and I'll say, Lord, I receive your peace. And he brings it. He brings it. But I got to be honest, sometimes I have to do that four, five, six, ten, twelve times a day. It's one thing for me to say, um, you know, I'm going to come in all humility. I'm going to totally give it all to him. It's another thing for a couple of days later when I'm not feeling quite so powerless or quite so needy or quite so weak for me to, I don't know, turn, uh, take us, you know, I'm not even saying like a full step back in the direction of self, whatever. But I think, I think that continuing to do this is a part of the discipline of discipleship, right? There's a rhythm to this that's necessary to us because although peace is leaky, I am also a little bit leaky. Yeah, no, that's right. And and because we're leaky, that's why the peace goes out, you know? And I think, I think John 15, 5 was one of those portions early on in my life that became real to me. And that, that just simply says, Jesus talking, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think part of that is the is coming to a reality in our lives that that's true, because if there's anything that I can say, well, I need Jesus for this, or I I feel weak or powerless, and I I know I need him here, then he just he just becomes our backpack buddy, and we just pull him out when we need him and stuff him back in when everything's good. And the lordship of Jesus, he he wants to be with us, like he loves us, and he wants to be with us in those moments of celebration and those moments of challenge. And so I think you're exactly right. It's, it's beginning to acknowledge, and you, and you can make this practical even today. Just get John 15, 5 on your calendar there to say, put it on over and over, day in, day out, to remind yourself. And again, it's not this self-flagellation. It's just true. Apart from you, God, I can do nothing. I can't, I can't suck in air to breathe. I can't on my own keep my heart going. I'm dependent upon you. You are my source. It's not my my skills and the job I have that bring in finances. It's not that attitude. It's you're my source. You are my source. And see, he wants us to be 
he wants us to be in a place where we can acknowledge you are my everything. So when we get there, then if it's a good day, he's still my everything. I thank him for everything good that happened. If it's not such a good day, my dependence place keeps me connected in that same way. So that's how I kind of how I kind of look at it and try to apply it in my own journey. That's so good. <clears throat> That's so good. That's so helpful. Thank you so much. Um, Dave, as always, it's a delight to talk with you. Uh, I, I'm going to reflect back for just a second on um, Paul and when Paul is you know, asking for whatever it is, um, right, that, that, has, that plagues him as a weakness. You know, he's asking for that to be taken away. I've always wondered. Um, I've always wondered if what plagues him is his participation in the stoning of Stephen. Mm, mm. Like, I, I, I've like wondered, is that the thorn that he the memory of mm, that? If, mm. if he's just asking God, would you just take that away? Cause mm-hmm. just be so hard to live with. I mean, totally. That would be so hard to live with. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to leave it right there. Dave, as always, thank you so much. Um, you guys can visit with Dave online at lionshare.org. Download the Lionshare Leadership Group app and get Dave's daily uh, video Devo. All right, we'll be right back. The March for Life took place, um, and the pictures are and videos are pretty extraordinary. If if you thought you were alone uh, as a person concerned about life in this country and the challenge of being people who advocate life in a culture of death, well, you um, you should check out the, the pictures, the articles, the videos of, of people across the country at every capital, in every capital city across the country, and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in Washington, D.C. at the official March for Life gathering. Um, it's really, really extraordinary. Um, and I would say that having attended in the past, obviously I did not uh, attend this year, but I watched uh, parts of it. And I would say that it's like there's been a uh, a pivot from despair to almost a confident hope. So let's um, continue to be, to be praying on that front. We're going to talk with Dr. Adam Carrington about um, the uh, the march and the mm-hmm, march for life. You know, my language is not coming quickly. I apologize. Um, the march for life in Washington D.C. and what a potential post row America might look like. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. My good friend James McDonald says all the time, "There's no pain like family pain." Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Pain in family relationships will always be tough to endure. There's no magic cure, but when you pay attention and don't avoid the suffering, you can start to see benefits of hanging in there. Here's what I'm getting at. The family that faces its pain together stays together in the long run. Unfortunately, some parents won't discipline their teens because they're afraid of causing pain. But wouldn't you rather tell the truth now and face temporary pain than live with a sense of regret later? The temporary pain caused by discipline will subside and leave behind it a growing, maturing, and strong family. Mom and Dad, hang in there. Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. 
Joining us again this morning, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Adam, welcome back. Glad to be here. Hope you're all doing well. Yeah, that's like a tricky question. I'm kind of, I mean, I know I'm here this morning, but I'm, I'm down with COVID. But you, um, I know, you know something about just soldiering through. So we're just going to, well, um, yeah, endure with patience. Well, we'll be praying for you. I know I have friends that are struggling through that right now, too. And it, it can be it can be a pretty, pretty nasty thing to fight with. So uh, we'll keep you in yeah, your prayers. It, well, thank you. And um, and you and your family are in our prayers as well. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the um, the march in not only in Washington, D.C., but in cities across the country um, in recognition of the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. It, it I think that it was different this year because there were at least, you know, there's at least some sense that, well, it might be the last year of Roe v. Wade. Talk Talk with us about that. That's that deep water sound that makes it sound sound like I'm all by myself. Okay, so um, so Roe versus Wade is the Supreme Court decision at, at the center of this conversation. All right, Doctor Adam Carrington is back okay, with sorry. us. No, that's all right. Um, did you hear the question or not? Uh, all right. I, I think I heard I heard most of it. So it seems like there's a, a different. Um, a thought about this year because there's a chance that Roe v. Wade could be overturned, and uh, uh, and that's actually the end of what I heard. I apologize. That's it. Uh, and then I said, and then I said, yeah. hey, could you talk with us about that? There you go. And then you disappeared. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, 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 back back from the internet void. I I <laughs> I, I would say that um, that was I think uh, this this anticipation and hope. Uh, in a much more concrete way. You could see it in, in the speeches that were made. You could see it in the interviews. And I think that what it then also brought out was in, in the hope that Roe v. Wade could be overturned, the discussion of even what's next for the pro-life movement, which is a hopeful sign. So what happens mm-hmm. if Roe v. Wade's overturned? And the clear sign being that that's not the end. It would be a pivot uh, recognizing the need for legal changes and, and court changes, but as that being an opening to. Um, all right. So that would be an opening to um, things happening at each and every state. So one of the things that we recognize is that if and when the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, it doesn't end abortion in America. It just means that the um, the way abortion is allowed and regulated returns to each and every state, which was the status of things prior to Roe v. Wade. And so um, it becomes a consideration in each state, every state, your state, my state. And so um, and, and then I also think that the conversation related to life and the pro-life movement has become much more broad in the last handful of years. Like we recognize that what it means to be pro-life is not just uh, or is not limited to a conversation about the protection of the pre-born. If we're going to genuinely be pro- pro-life, for every life and all of life, then we are going to be talking about supporting single moms, like tangibly supporting single moms, like it, it figuring out how do we enfold them significantly in, into the life of the church so that, you know, kids have 
godmothers and godfathers, like real people who really care about their real life at every age and stage. All right, Dr. Adam Carrington has rejoined us. We're talking about the uh, anticipated transformation in the pro-life movement um, following what we are anticipating may be the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Even if it is not, the pro-life movement is is going to um, expand and have uh, interesting and new conversations. Um, Adam, what do you see uh, in the future of the pro-life movement? I, I think the, the thing to look to as a past for prologue are the crisis pregnancy centers and how they are already trying to provide for women in crisis pregnancies in difficult situations and the question then being how do you expand that how do you expand that particularly with the church how to what degree can you expand that in public policy and christians advocating for that in ways that start to uh, recognize that there will be more unplanned pregnancies when uh, if, if abortion is illegal and there will still be people with hard hearts regarding this issue there still will be people in really difficult unsupported situations so i think expanding what those pregnancy centers wanted to do creating an even larger and more comprehensive network for people's spiritual needs but also their physical and and other needs that's going to be the task, and I think we're going to need a combination of just, you know, the, the, the Bible, Paul talks about the body of Christ being made up of many different kinds of members, hands and feet and, and other elements, bringing all those together, the people that are going to be serving, but also I think we're going to need a lot of logistics people, people that maybe don't always get looked to, to say, how can we create these even bigger and broader structures to make sure that 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 um, no pregnancy is is um, brought to term alone for a mother, uh, and that they know that they and the child, and that we can, as I think we've done already, to, to, to show that the idea that we don't care about the mother or the child after the child is born is really a, a scandalous slur against the church and against the pro-life movement. I think we just need to redouble those efforts, both legislative. All right. The Internet is a swamp this morning. That's all I can say. Um, we've lost Adam Carrington momentarily, but we're going to get him back um, while we're doing that. Let's take a very, very brief pause. Um, we're also going to talk this morning about the Biden administration one year in. What's your one year checkup look like for President Biden? We'll be right back. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. All right, we're back with Dr. Adam Carrington, and we're going to press forward. The filibuster survived. That sounds like um, that's that sounds like it was a living, breathing thing, and it has survived. It's it's actually a rule in the Senate. It has survived due to two senators. Um, but Dr. Adam Carrington has some thoughts about it. You think the ground has shifted? I think I think the ground has shifted since you're down to only two Democrats out of 50 that were willing to try to protect it. And they're the two that are in many ways on the outskirts of the party, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. So I think that uh, while the filibuster has existed for a very long time and for those who don't know, you know, the, the most famous portrayal of it was Mr. Smith goes to Washington where Jimmy Stewart held up a 
a, uh, a corrupt bill by just keep continuing to talk and stall it. Um, and this, uh, this filibuster was originally meant to protect debate so that everyone could have their say. It has turned uh, to too much of a degree into an obstruction of legislation. And I think that um, the frustration really on both sides, but it's manifesting with the Democrats right now, of the uh, inability to get an agenda through with a bare majority has really pushed them to the brink of now you have 48 out of 50 Democratic senators basically voting on board to get rid of a big shift from even a few years ago. And I think uh, is partly, I think, due to abuses of the filibuster. I think it has been abused based on its original reason for being there but also just as a manifestation of the partisanship and the rancor in the partisanship that's going on. So even though it did survive, I think it's on very tenuous ground and would not be surprised if, if it gets uh, scuttled completely the next time there's a, a majority of more than a couple votes for either, maybe even either party at this point. Yeah, I had a, a cheeky friend who um, texted over the weekend that the filibuster is now on pro-life support because pro-lifers definitely advocated for the filibuster to survive because they don't want to see, you know, the funding um, aspects related to the way, uh, you know, the the way funding uh, is attached to so many bills. And they don't want to see that down to just a 50 vote margin like right. They, they want to see that preserved. All right. Um, the Biden administration one year in, if you were going to, you know, do an annual checkup and you were to say, all right, one year in, this is how you're doing, President Biden. What might that look like? Uh, it, it would not be it would not be a good report. And I think that's not really being a, a deep, thoughtful polit- political analyst to be able to say that. Uh, obviously, the president inherited a pretty rough uh, circumstance, rough terrain crime, inflation, partisan rancor were already there and starting to rise. And and so, you know, he was all we were already been in Afghanistan for 20 years, for example. So there's a lot of things he inherited that showed he had a tough job to do. But at the same time, if anything, he seems to have made all those things no better and and potent and really worse in a number of cases. Um, you know, inflation has continued to spiral out of control, and there's good reason to think the economic policies of the Biden administration has only made that significantly worse. Crime has continued to go up. Uh, the Afghanistan pullout was by all, I think, reasonable accounts a disaster, his claims at his own press conference notwithstanding. And I, I think even on personality, you know, a, a lot of why he got into office was temperament, trying to not maybe have the same vices as his predecessor. But um, the idea of being competent and even keeled has not borne out either. He's come across as fairly uh, aloof and and a little feckless at times. Uh, And so I think that uh, 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 the, the Democratic Party is floundering because now our parties are so attached to presidents. And I think you have to place a lot of that squarely on on, on President Biden. He's not really seemed to be up to the task so far. And I think that Americans are, are even Americans that are not deeply into the politics can see that playing itself out and can sense it even as they watch him him try to 
to deal with the massive challenges that he inherited. Um, yeah, people are texting in. They're not giving to, uh, President Biden very good, um, very good marks either. Um, so, um, Adam, I want to um, spend a couple of minutes, if it's OK with you, um, you know, getting a little bit personal. You and your um, wife have been public about what's going on with your health. Um, but I don't want to share that. I want you to share that if you're willing. And just so everybody else knows, I ask Adam in advance if I could ask him on air. And he said yes. So first of all, Adam, you're a young guy. You've got little kids at home. Um, You're a professor. You have a lot going on. You're here today, which continues to shock and amaze me. Um, Share with folks what's going on in your life. Uh, Yes. So in in November, I, I went to have a checkup for a lump that was on my throat um, that had been around for a while and had been previously diagnosed as an infection. Turns out that it was a form of cancer, uh, pharyngeal uh, cancer of the tongue that had spread to the lymph nodes. And uh, so since then, uh, we've been doing a lot of diagnosing and then starting the week uh, leading into Christmas, uh, I've been doing um, seven weeks of, of uh, radiation and chemotherapy, which I'm now um, uh, about to come complete the, the fourth week of later this week. So that has been the, 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 the new challenge um, and then the side effects and the effects on the family and things like that that we're, we're, we're working through. Um, I, you know, I will say uh, we've been very, very blessed. Uh, God has been very merciful to me. Uh, there's certainly uh, pain and some things that are continuing to get worse, but it, it could be uh, a, a lot worse. And we've been very, very supported by uh, friends, family, church here. But uh, yes, that, that's sort of been the, 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 the consuming issue that has kind of taken over uh, life here. And, and, and to be honest, being able to be on the show with you all has been a really nice, I won't say distraction, but a little, see, a little uh, uh, eye of normalcy in the hurricane. We, um, you know, that's how we advertise it. Carmen, uh, mornings with Carmen. What did you call us? Uh, uh, are we the eye of the hurricane? Are we? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, an eye of normalcy in the hurricane. <laughs> I don't. Oh my goodness, Paul. Um, Paul Perot needs to write that down. Uh, mornings with Carmen, an eye of normalcy. I'm just going <clears> to <throat> take that audio right there and. I you know. just. <laughs> yeah, that's our new. <laughs> I don't know if we have any marketing, but if we do, that should be part of it. Um, there you go. Adam, um, you know that we have been um, praying with you and for you. Um, That now includes um, a lot of additional brothers and sisters in Christ who love you and value you, um, even though they don't know you other than from this experience right here. But I want you to be very confident of our prayers. And would it be okay with you if we pray for you now? Uh, I I would love that. Thank you. Mm. Father, we come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ, in the name of Jesus, asking that you, the great physician, the one who knit Adam together in his mother's womb, the one who saw him before the foundation of the earth, you are the one in whom he is fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, you know him full well. You know every cell of his body. And we would ask that right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring healing 
We thank you for the ways in which you are working that out. And we ask, Father, that you would alleviate pain, that you would give him vigor, that you would help his little girls to um, not miss a beat in the midst of all of this. Father, thank you for the future filled with hope you have planned for him, every good and perfect work you have planned in advance for this good and godly man. Bless he and his family, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, our brother. Amen. Thank you. And and I, I have felt the prayers of God's people across Hillsdale and across the country and, and, and covet them. And uh, God is good. I, I know my Redeemer lives and that um, in him I can place my trust in all of this. And that has been a wonderful grace that God has constantly preached that to my heart in this. And thank you for all your prayers. That That is is, is such a grace to me. Thank you. Absolutely. You have them. That's Dr. Adam Carrington. He does have a Caring Bridge site. If you go to caringbridge.org, you can visit him there. Um, his Caring Bridge site is like a devotional journey, um, and you'll just find him as Adam Carrington. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All righty. It is the 24th of January. We have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We are going to talk about John MacArthur. We haven't done that in a while. Seems like a good uh, topic of conversation. YouTube has labeled a recent John MacArthur sermon as uh, hate speech. And so they have removed it from YouTube. Uh, And what did he say? What was constituted as hate speech? Well, he said God made us male and female. Yeah. So that's the reality out there. We're going to talk about that in the next hour. We're also going to talk about just how much God loves us in Jesus Christ. You need to hear that this morning? I know I do. God loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Why don't you sing that? Sing that to yourself a few times through before we come back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.